everyone, I'm Emily Chang, and you're listening to Bloomberg Studio 1.0. For this episode, we traveled to the outpost of a Japanese company you may not know has a U.S. headquarters in San Mateo, California, to visit Rakuten CEO Miki Mikitani. He was in town from Tokyo and set aside some time for a rare interview with us. He started Rakuten in 1995, around the same time as Amazon, when nobody believed anyone would ever buy anything from the internet. Mikitani convinced mom-and-pop shops in Japan to join Rakuten by doing push-ups on the sidewalk outside. And today, the e-commerce company is known as the Amazon of Japan, but it also competes with Google, Netflix, and Airbnb, and offers a streaming service, home sharing, the messaging app Viber, e-books, credit card and banking services, and more. Many people outside Japan, however, still don't know how to pronounce Rakuten's name, which the company playfully spoofed in a new ad campaign that kicked off during the Super Bowl. Rakuten. 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 They might recognize Rakuten, however, from the jerseys of the Golden State Warriors and the Barcelona Football Club, as the company makes a push for global recognition. Joining me today on Bloomberg Studio 1.0, founder and CEO of Rakuten, Miki Mikitani. Hiroshi Mikitani. Mickey. Please call me Mickey, yes. Call you Mickey, yeah, okay. That's, that's, that's better. Now, your new grand plan, and it is a very grand plan, is to launch Japan's newest wireless network. Yes. Would be the fourth wireless network. Yeah. What is the strategy here? Well, the strategy is uh, very, very simple. Our credit card, which we started to uh, issue 10 years ago. After 10 years, now we are the biggest credit card company in Japan. And we are still growing close to 25% year on year. Uh, the power of our ecosystem is kind of proven. So we can acquire the customer using our network. We can reach out to them, uh, give them special package, and ask them to join our network. So our cost of acquisition is pretty low. And with this new architecture, uh, we can reduce our investment. Since it's, everything is virtualized and software control, mostly automated, our maintenance people is going to be less than 1% one, 1 of our competitors. So you say you can do this for 600 billion yen over no, 10 years with $5.5 billion or so. Investors are skeptical that you can pull that off. What makes you think you can? Because we can. <laughs> We can. I cannot control the emotion of investors, but I know we can. So, are you prepared to pay more if you have to? No, no, we are, we're going to do it within our budget. I'm confident. We're confident. How? Because we just calculation, it's spreadsheet, right? Okay, we're getting sites, we got a contract, this is the cost of equipments, okay, this is software. It's a totally different concept. And everybody thinks it is impossible, but just wait another, uh, you know, few months and everybody will be very, very shocked. So how does this wireless network fit into the bigger story of Rakuten versus Amazon or who else? Our model is create membership program uh, and use data so we can cross sell our services. Uh, and mobile services, they are another big project we can heavily discount and provide to our merchants. In Japan, some would say that you're losing share to Amazon in e-commerce. Is that fair? No, Looking I don't at think the so. charts, uh, I do not believe so. They are uh, totally different 
aspects of the uh, how to count. So how uh, would you characterize the competition in Japan? They don't have disclosed any numbers, to be very honest. So uh, it's very difficult for me to compare. But as far as our growth is concerned, we are you know, growing uh, really at the, at, the, uh, at the right speed. The challenge is uh, logistics. So now we're engaging in logistics. So I think we're in a good shape. Well, Jeff Bezos might be a little distracted lately. So that could be an advantage. I don't think Jeff is so concerned about Japan <laughs> that much. <laughs> he has doubled down on India. Do you think that they've not taken full advantage of the opportunities in Japan? Well, Japan is a different market. The consumers are so sophisticated. Uh, the, the variety of the product they want is very high. Uh, they want to receive very clean package not necessarily uh, the Amazon approach in the U.S. will do well in Japan. We have more uh, smaller stores, smaller merchants. Uh, we need to make them happy. The conceptually, Lactin is totally different. We are more partnership-driven than Amazon. Amazon wanted to dominate everything. We would like to help small and medium-sized merchants. So who's a bigger threat, Jeff Bezos or Masayoshi Sun? I don't think everybody is a threat. Everybody is a rival. One thing I can tell you is we are well positioned uh, because we are not only one single service provider focusing on one vertical. We provide our value as a package, including you know banking, telecom, uh, credit card, insurance, shopping, travel, content as a package. So if you want to just focus on one vertical, I think it's it's very very risky. Masa is obviously a competitor in the wireless business. Now he also has the Vision Fund, investing huge amounts of money in tech companies, which you also do. What do you think about what they're doing with the Vision Fund? I think he's a, you know, excellent investor. So he may or may not make it. I don't know. About the competition in Japan, the quality, cost of our service will be better than anybody, uh, for sure. Uh, and when we go to 5G, our network is going to be 5G ready from the beginning, the only company in the world. Uh, so I think the you know, future looks very, very good to me. Of course, there will be a competition. They will try to do everything to block their users moving to Rakuten. Uh, maybe our growth is going to be as fast as uh, we initially planned. But I think after all, the structural difference is uh, in, is very, very uh, clear. Uh, and I don't think they can match, anybody can match our, 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 our quality and our price. One more question about the Vision Fund. Do you think there are any ethics issues with their ties to the Saudi government? Mm, that depends on the philosophy of the company, right? Uh, and I am very careful about uh, taking money uh, from uh, whom. Uh, and, but some companies uh, do not care because money is money. Uh, but, you know, so it depends on the character of the founders. Uh, some companies I have seen are becoming a little bit more careful about the source of the money because, you know, these innovate, innovation companies are very, very emotional-driven. It's more value-driven, and it's not just about money. Uh, so, therefore, uh, some people are more careful, some people don't care. 
So it, it depends. Is that a mistake? Is it to take not money? to care? Not to care. Is it for me? Is it a mistake to take money from a government tied to the murder of American journalists? First of all, uh, we don't know the truth. So uh, to be very honest, I don't, can, I don't think I, can, I have a right answer. But if we, for our portfolio company, if you have inference, uh, we will advise to be careful. You're listening to my conversation with Rakuten CEO and founder Mickey Mikitani. Coming up, we discuss Mikitani's investments in Lyft and Pinterest, two tech companies going public this year, and why the e-commerce giant shunned Huawei and ZTE equipment when building their new mobile network. I'm Emily Chang, and this is Bloomberg Studio 1.0. You have been busy making investments yourself. You've taken stakes in companies around the world, not just e-commerce companies, but you've got a giant stake in Pinterest, a big stake in Lyft. You're on the board of Lyft. What's the strategy with your global investments? Global investment is not a, we are not a soft bank. Mm -hmm. It's our side business. Side business uh, have uh, two meanings. One is to understand what is gonna happen in the world. So we invest in the ride-sharing company uh, to understand what does autonomous driving mean to our product delivery strategy in the future. And also, we would like to know where the sharing economy will go. So now we have very deep understanding of sharing economy, not just limited to ride-shares. Uh, we, we started to like vacation rent a home business in Japan. Now we are talking with Lyft, potentially launching Lyft in Japan. Lyft is... They haven't done much international yet, so that would be a big deal. If, 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 it, if it takes place, yes. I don't know. Uh, there are lots of, lots of issues still. What would need to happen? I mean, the well, Japanese taxi market is a hard one to crack. Yes. Uh, the, legally speaking, pure ride-sharing is still illegal in Japan. Uh, so I think we need to uh, be very, very smart. Are you talking to the Japanese government? Are you trying to increase the talking, skids I'm, for them? I'm constantly talking with the Japanese government for many, many issues. <laughs> and this one has been, I, I haven't been pushing it too hard uh, because the reaction from the uh, taxi unions is so strong. So I just want to be a little bit careful. So we invest into the companies which has something to do or we think we will have something to do uh, with us in the future. But performance has been excellent, by the way. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Way better than any other VC. <laughs> what are your returns? Well, our returns are like 28.5% yeah, wow. IRR. SoftBank is an investor in Uber and Lyft. Do you find that odd? Uber is much more ambitious company than Lyft, for sure. Uh, but uh, I cannot tell you the percentage. But when we, John Logan came to my house, uh, they were kind of desperate because Travis was, who is also a good friend of mine, was trying to crash Lyft. And I gave them $300 million. Uh, what was their plea? Plea was about $2 billion. No, what, 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 what were they asking you for? Because they only had $100 million in the bank account. The burn rate was so high. Uber was trying to crash them. So they needed to have help. And, but I did my homework uh, and I researched through my, uh, my data team 
and I, I found out, okay, 50% of young people, millenniums in San Francisco, use Lyft, not Uber. I said, oh, this is encouraging news. And it, the share among the younger people were rising up. Even the entire market share is very small. So I thought, okay, this company has the potential to re reach uh, to at least 20% market share, uh, focusing on younger people. It's a little bit different. And they did it. Uh, and they did so well, executed. Uh, they partnered with us for the marketing. And now their market share is way bigger than you know, what, what, what we intended. So how do you think the Uber versus Lyft competition plays out? Uh, I told to Travis a long time ago when he was very angry when I invested into Lyft. You know, you need at least have two players uh, for this kind of totally new services, which is going to replace huge, you know, uh, sort of service. We, we're, we're talking about converting uh, car ownership to mobility as a service. It, this is big. And I don't think there is, would be just one company can do it. There need to be at least two or even three companies uh, who do it, it you know, uh, competitively. Uh, otherwise, they're gonna face, you know, many, many difficulties antitrust, pushback from the drivers. Uh, so I think it is healthy to have, uh, you know, two companies competing each other. So is it healthy to have only w one search engine or one social network or one e-commerce site in the United States? I mean, Google and Amazon and Facebook have virtual monopolies. Yeah, that's a problem. That's a problem. Uh, but, you know, people's behavior are also changing. Right. Uh, for example, the, the product search. Many people go to Amazon instead of going to Google. In US, in Japan, they come to Rakuten instead of going to Google. Um, some people has a, has a different idea of uh, you know, getting to the, uh, the product. So uh, all these gigantic product, uh, the platform is going to be uh, seriously uh, need to think about the, uh, how to democratize uh, their platform. You're also a huge investor in Pinterest. They filed to go public. How big do you think Pinterest can be? Well, I don't know. <laughs> well, I think uh, when Instagram came up, uh, I thought, oh my God, this is going to be a crisis uh, for Pinterest. But I was wrong that, you know, because Instagram is about people and Pinterest is about product. Uh, so they are more product uh, focused rather than people focused. So uh, definitely uh, there are still many, many people who like uh, Pinterest uh, and they are diversifying their revenue source and hopefully uh, they will, and, and their international seems like going well. How closely are you following the US-China trade war? One thing I can tell you is, you know, when we are deciding what kind of network equipment we are going to use, you know, I talk with the Japanese government and ask about whether I should use Chinese network equipment or not. And they said, no problem, use it. But I kind of sense the potential risk, even if it's like 1%, 2%, 3%. 
I told myself oh, I, should, I cannot take 1% risk that there may, something may happen to, pro, to prohibit uh, Chinese uh, network equipment to be used for Japanese mobile network. So I decided not to use uh, Huawei or ZTE. Because of the risks of espionage. Because of the risk. Uh, so I don't know what's true or not, but I, I'm very, very happy I didn't choose them right now. Because I have, if I had cho chosen them, that means I need to roll back like one year and I, I cannot launch my service. Who would you choose? I would choose Nokia. Mm -hmm. uh, but basically, we are building our own hardware. Well, you know, we just buy the antenna hardware from Nokia. But in, maybe in the next generation, we're going to build our own. So it's totally different concept. We are IT company integrating, building core network, radio station network, all the technology by ourselves. Versus other telcos are asking system integrators to integrate everything. Right? So do you think then that Huawei's business, ZTE's business, I mean, do you think those could be seriously compromised as a result of? That's for sure. Yeah, it's obvious, no? Yeah, I mean, I guess they're still huge companies. They still it have is, the Chinese market. It's a good, com good, good company. Uh, and, but uh, I think, I don't know what is going to happen, to be very honest. But uh, as far as uh, the telecom industry is concerned, it is very difficult to use uh, Chinese vendors uh, for a while. This is my conversation with Rakuten CEO and founder Miki Mikitani. After the break, Mikitani reveals yet another facet of his entrepreneurial drive. He is searching for and claims to have found what could be a cure for cancer. I'm Emily Chang, and you're listening to Bloomberg Studio 1.0. Stay with us. perhaps best known in the Bay Area for sponsoring the Golden State Warriors. Why did you decide to do that? Rakuten is on every Warriors jersey. Yeah, that's good. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> that's the point, period. <laughs> right? Are, is this delivering for you? Is the sports marketing? Sure, it does. Has it been a good bet? Yes. Our brand awareness has risen you know, so much. It is not as high as it is in Europe yet, but I think it is going to get there. Most importantly, the Warriors is iconic team in Silicon Valley. It, it works very well for hiring and partnering with other companies. Also, just pure exposure of our brand to the consumer. So we are extremely happy. You've also got a multi-year partnership with Steph Curry. Yeah. What do you hope to get out of that? Steph will be uh, our brand amb ambassador, showing up in our TV commercial. Uh, and also we are sponsoring his uh, unrated tour uh, to discover, uh, you know, kind of hidden player who can potentially become very big. So it kind of uh, is very aligned with our concept. You've also sponsored the Barcelona football team, soccer team. What is that delivering for you? Well, Barcelona is the biggest sports club in the world, right? And, you know, not just uh, the performance of the team, uh, but also the you know culture and the philosophy of the team 
is very important for us. You made a big splash by switching all your internal communications to English. Yes. How has that worked out? It's working very, very well, as a matter of fact. Uh, and you, you did this because you thought it was the only way you could be a truly global company, right? Yes, and at the same time, even to survive in Japan. Because it is obvious that uh, advancement of IT technology is just speeding up, you know, accelerating. Uh, and just doing business with Japanese engineers oh, and scientists is impossible. Uh, talking about the why we're so strong in Japan is because of our AI engineers uh, in Japan, and most of them are not Japanese. But I imagine it was hard to was switch hard. everyone over to English. Yes, it was. It was very hard. And we still struggle a little bit, but mostly done. Yeah, I think it was a commitment. It's never a compromise. And patience. Now, I understand you've got a new commitment and you want everyone to have a certain level of digital li literacy, yes. programming yes. skills. Tell me about that. Well, it is, you know, for sure, if you're working for Toyota, for example, you know about the how automobile works, right? So if you work for IT service company, you need to have the basic knowledge of what's in the computer, right? That's the very, very basic stuff. What we call internet colonization is at least they understand how computer program, how, you know, uh, processing power, processing units, Either it's a GPU or a CPU. What's the difference between GPU and CPU? Uh, what is AI? Uh, what is deep learning? Ten years from now, the world is going to be totally different. Um, you know, most of the services we do by human will be replaced by AI. Uh, and if you, our managers are not aware of it, it is going to be a big problem. You're also pouring money into cancer research. Yes. Tell me about that. The story is. My father had a pancreatic cancer, we found out five years ago. And I was crazy enough to believe that I can find advanced cure somewhere in the world. So I traveled all around the world to Stanford, to UCSF, UCSD, you know, Columbia University, Harvard, Paris University. I went literally everywhere to look for most advanced cure. And unfortunately, I couldn't find any uh, effective one. But one day, uh, my friend, who is also uh, a good friend of my late father, called me and, hey, Miki, I heard your father has a bad cancer. Uh, but by the way, my cousin uh, is doing this very interesting project uh, to conquer the cancer. And I asked what it is, and he said using lights to kill the cancer. So I flew over to Washington, D.C., and had a meeting with him. And I find out, oh my God, this is going to work, right? I don't know how much, how much extent uh, it is going to work, but I, I became instantly confident this is going to work. So you think we're going to find a cure? We you think already you found uh, the cure? I, I personally think we already found the secret key to unlock your immune programming, specifically targeting to the, the, the type of cancer you have, either it's a protein or DNA. So what we do is we target the only cancer cells using conjugate. We light 
and we make a scratches to the surface of the cancer, cancer will explode. Once, once cancer explodes, there's no defense system of cancer, so your so you, immune system will recognize it and eat it and, you know, um, basically uh, start to attack your cancer cells. We finished our uh, phase two clinical trial, about to get into phase three, last phase of clinical trial, globally, in Japan, US, Europe, and in, in Asia. Uh, the, the result has been outstanding. Sometimes, our drugs are strong enough to, you know, kill everything with our own drugs. Sometimes we need to combine it with other drugs. But long story short, whatever combination people want to do, probably our drug is going to be the key. That's incredible. So, yeah. So maybe so, I will be known as pharma entrepreneur, not IT entrepreneur in the history. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Mickey, thank you so much for thank joining you very much. us. Studio 1.0 is produced and edited by Kevin Hines. Our executive producer is Candy Cheng. Our managing editor is Danielle Culbertson. I'm Emily Chang, your host and executive producer. This is Bloomberg. Bloomberg.